This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends. I'm Alicia. Thank you so, so much for joining us today for the kickoff of Season 18. Woo! of Trashy Divorces. We hope you are ready for a whole new Trashy Ride this season. We are so excited you're here with us. Who do you have for us to kick off season 18, Alicia? Perhaps the best James Bond of all the James Bonds, Sean Connery. Mm, Probably the best known of all the Bonds, yeah. Now, Sean Connery was only divorced one time and married to his second wife for 45 years, but that doesn't really tell the whole story of the Scotsman's love life. We're going to get into it today. Before we do, we have this magic mirror to give some love and thanks and praise. First up to our newest supporters over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. I love magic mirror. Thank you so much for joining us. Jessica H, Jill, Lauren F, Hillary O, Selena L, and Sarah F. Y'all are amazing. Hope you're digging your ad-free early episodes, your dumpster dives, and all the goodies over there on Patreon. One last quick shout out, Brad. We're so happy that you lashed yourself to Joanna for all time, and we're going to hold you to it. That is very true. We certainly are. We don't want to see you two on the Trashy Divorces podcast. Never. Alicia, what do we need to do now that we're going to steam on into season 18? Shake it, don't stir it, and go, go, go. Alicia, this is, I think, the James Bond of my youth that you have for us this week. The most eternal James Bond, but let's not typecast him in a character. Many people always think of Sean Connery first when they hear the name James Bond. Sure. Although Sean was not the actor that played in the most Bond films, too many fans, no matter, Sean Connery is the quintessential dashing, suave, and supremely cool 007. Debonair. Because he was the first James Bond, he set the standard for all of those who followed. And who knows if the James Bond films would have become the lasting phenomenon they did if it had not been for Sean Connery's charisma and sex appeal. It is quite the franchise. I mean, we're talking decades and decades now. Oh, yeah. This is a... Mm. I love the story. Okay. As is true with many successes, it had a price. The constant attention that Connery got as a sex symbol and international celebrity after he played James Bond cost him his privacy, and he had to fight against the ultimate typecasting. To a huge number of people, Sean Connery didn't just play James Bond, he was James Bond. Sean's early life resembled nothing of his future fame and wealth, He had very humble beginnings in Scotland and never wavered from his loyalty to his homeland. Connery was a lifelong advocate of an independent Scotland. Initially, he didn't really have any acting aspirations, but because of his exceptionally good looks and hot bod (laughs) and a little bit of an interesting chain of events, Hollywood comes calling. Connery was ultimately able to thrive in other roles, especially as he aged and began to look a little less like his Bond portrayal. He went from being the dashing spy to an equally handsome but more distinguished and mature man. I think distinguished is a word we commonly use for men as they age. Oh yeah, Connery's able to pull off roles in The Hunt for Red October, The Untouchables, Highlander, Entrapment, There can be only one. (laughs) And Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, First Night, The Rock, many others. Mm -hmm. Playing by heart, little known, holds up. (laughs) In fact, it was later in his career that he received awards, honors, and serious professional recognition for his acting talents. In 1987, he won both an Academy Award and a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor in The Untouchables. He also earned a BAFTA and Golden Globe nominations for his work in The Name of the Rose, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and The Hunt for Red October. And in 2006, 
Sean Connery received the American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award, which is the highest honor for a career in film. However, one of Sean's proudest days came in July 2000 when he was formally knighted by Queen Elizabeth II at the Palace of Holyrood House in his native Scotland. Hmm. In 1995, Sean Connery was honored with the Cecil B. DeMille Award for outstanding contributions to the world of entertainment. Take a deep breath. That's Sean's resume. Okay. <laughs> Ish. CV. All right. When we talk about that, but we're here for the trashy divorces. And as mentioned, Sean Connery was only divorced one time, was married to his second wife for 45 years. That's great. From 1975 to his death in 2020. But... But, 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 that does not tell the whole story. I know, I want to hear about his scrappy Scottish childhood. Of Sean Connery's love life, mm. or life in general. It's a fascinating story. As you might imagine, Sean Connery was romantically linked with many, many women through the years, and his 45-year marriage did not seem to keep him from having the occasional lurid affair, or two, or 47, hmm. for our trashy divorces purposes here. He had his fair share of controversy over the years. I guess I should say he had his fair share of controversy over the years due to some of his beliefs and comments. But when the revered actor died in 2020 at the age of 90 years old, wow. the tributes that poured in expressed love, admiration, and respect. Let's get into the eternal Scotsman. And James Bond forever, Sean Connery. Thomas Sean Connery was born August 25th, 1930 in Edinburgh, Scotland. His family struggled financially. And his little, little boy, little Tommy, his crib was a dresser drawer. Yes, this is what I'm here for. Okay. His father earned about two pounds a week working in a factory. And his mother worked as a cleaning woman when she could get work. They lived in an overcrowded tenement flat and often did not have enough money to pay to use the public baths to get clean. Rough and tumble. I mean, I imagine Edinburgh in the 30s was exactly the kind of place you're describing. Little Tommy goes uh, to work at a young age to help support the family. When he's only eight years old, Tommy gets his very first job delivering milk. Got milk? Child labor laws are for the weak. By the age of 13, Tommy was forced to leave school and work more. Tommy has a variety of different jobs, including a cement mixer, a bricklayer, a truck driver. This is probably my favorite one, though. A coffin polisher. Ooh, that sounds like it should be a euphemism for something, but okay. It's not, just polishing the coffins. Sean Connery's difficult and impoverished childhood stays with him for the rest of his life. That kind of childhood doesn't leave you. <laughs> no, I think if you're working by eight, uh, you probably end up with quite the work ethic. Even at the age of 63, Sean Connery tells an interviewer that taking a bath was still something special to him. Hmm. You get to be in your 60s and like you're excited yep. every time you get in the tub. Yeah. That's an impoverished childhood. At the age of 16, though, Tommy will join the Royal Navy. He signs on for 12 years of service. But he was discharged after only three years because of an ulcer. Hmm. Sean Connery gets a small disability grant after his medical leave, but quickly goes back to work. The ulcer doesn't stop Sean from seriously playing soccer, football, mm -hmm. and he actually ends up playing semi-professionally for a while. I bet the disability people were like, oh my God. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, during his time in the Royal Navy, Connery got two tattoos, both on his right arm. The first one, like every good tattoo you start out with, says, Mum and Dad. I'm shaking my head. Okay, go ahead. Always the true, true Scotsman that he is. The second tattoo reads, Scotland forever. Sure. Sean serves two years as a sailor. Before, right, he's out with ulcers. But with soccer and out of the Navy, Sean looks down one day and realizes he's a fine hunk of a lad. He discovers his body. He starts to pump iron. He becomes a lifeguard at the Portobello swimming pool. 
He moonlights as an artist model at the Edinburgh College of Art. Scandalizing the ladies. One of those artists told the Daily Record that Connery was, quote, too beautiful for words, a virtual Adonis, Hmm. unquote. His body, oh, Sean, it certainly was, was his commodity. It's what he had, and it was going to be his ticket to success. Sean Connery didn't always have a dream of becoming an actor. He actually, right, is heavily involved in bodybuilding. He's into his body. He's into all kinds of stuff that have nothing to do with acting. But one day he hears about an audition that sounded interesting to him. The year is 1953, and Sean and his friend, these two blokes, go up to London to compete in the Mr. Universe contest. Sean comes in third place. Hmm. But while he was there, he learned of an audition for a touring production of the musical South Pacific. Sean decided to take a shot. Not going to miss his shot. Could he sing? Didn't miss his shot. He was chosen for the chorus. Okay. Who knows how much his voice impressed the casting director. Because, right, Sean Connery looks like a sailor and he could do handstands. So Well, and he had been a sailor. so He was in. Mm-hmm, yeah. Connery found a mentor that year. Kind of a good break. An American actor in the cast named Robert Henderson will take Sean Connery under his wing and recommend a reading program for him that includes all the plays of George Bernard Shaw, Oscar Wilde, Henrik Ibsen, and novels from Thomas Wolfe, Marcel Proust, James Joyce. Interesting. So a very uh, very targeted, like... 100%. Drama and... Uh, motive, human motive, I guess. Sure thing. And although this was a lot of work, like Mm. a lot of extra work, Sean Connery devours all of this reading and learns as much as he can. Connery later says he spent all his free time in every library in Britain, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales and saw every play he could. He said the reading that Robert Henderson recommended to him changed his life. Now, Sean's career doesn't take off right away, but he steadily acts in small parts and plays and on television. He makes his film debut in 1956 in No Road Back. And it was during this time that Sean had one of his first long-term romances. The woman that would become his live-in girlfriend and to whom he would propose to several times was a show business photographer, Julie Hamilton. In 1958, though, wait for the spiderwebs, this is so exciting, Sean's life gets a little bit more interesting when previous Trashy Divorces alum Lana Turner specifically chooses Sean Connery to star opposite her in the film Another Time, Another Place. Hmm. During the filming of the movie, English tabloids started to report on rumors that the two were having a romantic relationship. Hmm. These rumors do not go over very well at all with Lana Turner's narcissistic and very mean and maniacal boyfriend, Johnny Stompanato. Oh, we have heard of him. When Stompanato hears these rumors, he threatens to kill Lana Turner and then flies to London to confront Sean Connery. Would you like to hear how this rolls down? I'm very curious. Stompanato heads to the studio with a gun. He sees Lana Turner and Sean Connery embracing in front of the camera because, you know, they're filming a scene. Mm -hmm. Filled with jealous rage, Stompanato points the gun at Sean Connery. Sean Connery acts quickly and grabs the mobster's wrist, takes the gun and punches him. Scotland Yard (laughs) shows up at the studio and takes Stompanato away. He was then, Johnny was, deported back to the United States. Sounds like he kind of got pantsed there by Sean Connery. Little bit. This is only a few months before Johnny Stompanato's death. Remember, Johnny Stompanato was stabbed to death in one of Hollywood's biggest scandals in Mm. 1958. Lana Turner's daughter, Cheryl Crane, admitted to stabbing Johnny Stompanato in order to save her mother. But the real events of that evening have been speculated about ever since. Sure. We did a wonderful deep dive into that on Done and Done. One of the looky-loos in Lana Turner's driveway that night was a young Dominic Dunn. 
who left his home to go be a looky-loo on the street the night of Stompanato's death. Hmm. Everything connects. Okay. Ah, oh, Johnny Stompanato. Johnny's death does not end Sean Connery's problems with the mob. Mafia. A little bit angry about Johnny Stompanato's death and assumed that maybe it has somehow has something to do with the alleged relationship between Lana Turner and Sean Connery and the incident that happened at the studio. Johnny's boss, Mickey Cohen, decides he wants revenge for his friend Johnny and calls Sean Connery, who is now working on a new project and staying at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And, you know, Mickey Cohen helpfully tells Sean Connery that he'd be killed if he did not leave town. I'm sorry, are they actually going to take on a kid who was basically a street urchin in Edinburgh during the Great <laughs> Depression Cohen. and he thinks he's going to scare this guy? Hollywood Mafia? Yeah, dude. Signed a 12-year contract with the Royal Navy? Really? I haven't bathed in years. All right. We can't afford a bath. Sean Connery, however, deciding that all of the death threats and Mickey Cohen and pissing off the Mafia was maybe a little bit more trouble than he needed or wanted, Sean Connery decides to nope out. He leaves town. According to Rolling Stone, Sean Connery heads to the San Fernando Valley for a while after receiving Mickey Cohen's threat. Sean Connery later says, I didn't know what I was dealing with and I didn't see any point in discussing it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he noped out to the San Fernando Valley where he put together a private army that would <laughs> head to Las Vegas or whatever and take out these mobsters. Okay, go ahead. Sean Connery will come back to Hollywood after the frenzy of Stompanato's death calms down a little, and Sean will continue to appear in movies, including 1959's Darby O'Gill and The Little People, and in some ways it was this movie that changed Sean Connery's life. Not because Darby O'Gill and The Little People was a real big hit, but it would be because this movie gives Sean the chance to make an impression on Albert Broccoli, Cubby, Cubby Broccoli, the producer of the James Bond films. His wife, Dana, is very taken in by Sean Connery. It would be Dana Broccoli who would recommend Sean to her husband for the role of James Bond. Now, Cubby Broccoli, let's all just go back one more spiderweb connection. Do you remember Pat DeSico? Mm -hmm. Gloria Vanderbilt's first husband. Pat DeSico was married to Thelma Todd. Maybe something shady in her death. Pat DeSico and Cubby Broccoli are cousins. Okay. It all comes together. I just, I, I worry about people who have to go through life with the last name of Broccoli. It's just, it's too easy. We are here for the trashy divorces. So let's go ahead and get to the first marriage. This is to Diane Salento. Now, Sean remembers living with his photographer girlfriend, Julie Hamilton, when he meets Diane Salento, the woman that will become his first wife. Julie Hamilton, sweet, sweet girl, says they were laying in bed one morning, she and Sean, and Sean looked at her and said, what beautiful eyes. And before Julie can respond with, oh, you're so sweet. Thanks, baby. Sean continues the rest of that sentence, so let me start it over. What beautiful eyes Diane has. They can't see you shaking your head. That was bad. Yeah, that's not, that's a... He's mm -hmm. kind of a rogue, Sean Connery. Yeah, it's, that's not, that's not good. Not what you want to hear. No, that's not good. So, sweet Julie Hamilton will ask Sean if he's still in love with her. And Sean helpfully replies, no, I don't think I am. <laughs> Direct. Julie says she gets up right then and there and walks out. Mm -hmm. A few years later, they would run into each other. Sean was with Diane by this point, but they hadn't married yet. And Julie Hamilton had married and had a child, a son she had named Jason. And Sean Connery told Julie how grateful he was for her, supporting him when he was a struggling actor. And he made a promise to Julie that... If Sean had a son one day, he would also name him Jason. In 1962, Sean made good on that promise. But Julie's still out because Sean Connery and Diane Salento met in a very typical way for actors 
they're co-starring in a movie together. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd promise. Ah, when I have a child, I too shall... What? What is that? It was 1957 when Sean and Diane Salento played lovers in the television film Anna Christie. Salento was an Australian actress who was married to an Italian aristocrat Hmm. when she met Sean Connery. Ah, well. In fact, Salento gave birth to her daughter in 1957. Although she and Sean Connery begin dating, Diane Salento does not divorce her Italian aristocrat husband until 1962. Hmm. Chances are that Diane decided she needed to get divorced so she could marry Sean Connery because she was pregnant with his uh, child. Jason. Jason. <laughs> Diane and Sean marry November the 30th, 1962, and their son, Jason, was born six weeks later. Okay. Although Diane Salento is not a household name, I need to let you know Diane was a very accomplished performer. She starred in films opposite Paul Newman and Charlton Heston. Salento was a sexy blonde with a husky voice, and she becomes really popular through her steamy roles. But she's also recognized, right, not just for her beauty, but she is really, really talented. 1962 was not only the year the couple married Diane and Sean, but it is also the year that Sean Connery stars in his first James Bond film. Ah. This James Bond film is Dr. No, which launches Connery into an entirely different level of fame and celebrity. Yeah, rocket to the moon, yeah. Once this happened, Diane Salento, famous actress, really well on her own, what does she become? Mrs. James Bond. Yeah, Mrs. James Bond, yeah. The media calls her Mrs. James Bond, And this is a title that Diane cannot, does never, ever, ever, ever shakes off, even after their divorce. Diane was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1963 for her performance in the film Tom Jones. Wow. I mean, seriously, despite her own work and accomplishments, Diane was never able to escape the persona of being Sean Connery's first wife. Diane will later write a book called My Nine Lives, released in 2006, where she openly discusses her frustration with constantly being seen only as Sean Connery's wife. Diane writes that once Sean Connery became James Bond, she ceased being Diane Salento and that she could, quote, not live the rest of my life in the shadow of 007, unquote. Yeah, that's heavy. And it's still, I mean, we talk about that happening to people today. You know, it's still a thing. There is a lot more to the story of Sean Connery's marriage to Diane Salento, but we can't get to there without seeing how Sean Connery becoming James Bond changes their lives forever. After they did divorce, Diane Salento said of her time with Connery, the whole damn Bond thing took over our lives. We are going to come back to that bit and the rest of the story after a quick commercial message from our sponsors. We'll see you on the flip. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Sean, Diane, 007. 007. Let's talk about Sean Connery becoming James Bond. Because Ian Fleming certainly does not imagine Sean Connery when writing the debonair secret agent. Mm -hmm. In fact, when Connery was suggested to be James Bond, 
Ian Fleming dismissed the actor as too unrefined. A Scotsman? Fleming, right, had sophisticated and sleek actors that he's thinking of for the part. Cary Grant, David Niven, Richard Todd. However, Sean Connery was cast by Saltzman and Broccoli, due in large part to Dana Broccoli's recommendation Mm. on how ladies love Sean. Dana finds Connery's macho aura inescapably attractive. Dana also describes Connery's walk as panther-like. Oh my god. Dana Broccoli does get Sean Connery, the audition and interview, but it was his behavior that ultimately wins him the role. Sean Connery comes to the interview dressed in a manner that the producers found, well, lacking. But he impressively recited passages from the book Live and Let Die. They told Connery that they liked his performance, but criticized his appearance, which they called less than professional. Scotland forever, Sean Connery, he's got a little bit of a fiery temper. He doesn't let this go. And he'll tell the men, you either take me as I am or not at all. Albert Broccoli, old cubby, will further describe this particular outburst, saying, he pounded the desk and told us what he wanted. We agreed. He walked out of the office and we watched him bounce across the street like he was Superman. We knew we had our James Bond. (laughs) Ian Fleming, though, still not sold on the idea but agrees to go have dinner with Sean Connery. But it does not take long at this dinner for Ian Fleming to change his mind when Ian Fleming sees how women respond to Sean Connery and the sex appeal quotient that is off the charts. Once filming begins, Sean Connery really does, as they like to say on American Idol, make the role his own. He claimed it. Like you think of Sean Connery when you think of James Bond. Sean plays the character as darker and moodier and way more ruthless than the James Bond in Fleming's books. Audiences, gimme, gimme that sexy, sexy Sean Connery bowl of cat milk, right? They eat it all up. Over the next seven films, audiences just can't get enough. Sean Connery makes James Bond one of the most famous film characters of all time. His first James Bond film was Dr. No in 1962. Sean quickly becomes the top box office star both in the United States and in Britain with his string of subsequent Bond films. Dr. No was followed up by From Russia with Love in 1963, Goldfinger in 1964, Thunderball in 1965, and you only lived twice in 1967. Now, Sean Connery, fearing that he's going to be forever typecast, he said that you only lived twice, this is 1967, would be his last bond. I'm done. I'm, I'm never going to get out of this role. So in 1969, Australian actor George Lazenby played 007 in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. What do you think happens, though? I'm thinking it was not received well. George Lazenby, not the lick it up kitty cat milk that Sean Connery is. Because he just did the one, right? Yeah. Audiences just can't accept George Lazenby as James Bond. I feel like this, this like changing the lead, though, again, like film is relatively new. And so taking this like extremely well-known character and replacing the actor. We do that pretty routinely these days, but back then it probably was very jarring for the audiences, I would think. The producers successfully lured Connery back in 1971 for Diamonds Are Forever. What's the payday here? One million dollars as an advance against 12% of the movie's gross revenues. Not bad. Not bad. This will be Connery's last Bond film. Roger Moore takes over the role of James Bond Mm -hmm. in 1973, beginning with Live and Let Die. Roger Moore will play 007 for the next 12 years, but technically we hadn't seen the last of Connery as Bond. Once more, Sean Connery was convinced to reprise his portrayal of James Bond in Never Say Never Again 
1983, it was a pleasant surprise for all James Bond fans to see the quintessential James Bond back on the silver screen. This time, James Bond was dealing with the anxieties of middle age. I feel you, brother. Bond, <laughs> we got a lot in common. Although, yes, we have so much in common with the British super spy. And the anxieties of middle age. Okay, that part. Although he had promised he would never play Bond again. Remember back in the 1971 mm-hmm. Diamonds Are Forever, I'm done. Yep. What happens this time? What's the lucrative payday? $3 million hmm. for this particular role. Although Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig have all gone on to portray 007, and the franchise has continued to be incredibly financially successful, Sean Connery is still considered to be the favorite. Yeah. Critics will endlessly speculate and debate on the attributes and talents of each Bond actor. Sean Connery does not always come out on top for his acting excellence, but... Everyone agrees that he brought more to the table than just acting talent alone. The famous director and master of cinema, Sidney Lumet. Remember, another one of Gloria Vanderbilt's husbands (laughs) once defended Sean Connery by saying, non-professionals just didn't realize what superb high comedy acting that Bond role was. It was like what they used to say about Cary Grant. Oh, they'd say... He's just got charm. (laughs) Well, first of all, charm is actually not at all that easy a quality to come by. And what they overlooked in both Cary Grant and Sean was their enormous skill. Yeah, to translate charm is one thing, but to put it on the screen is that's that is talent. Sean Connery makes me melt like ice cream. (laughs) So now we have gotten him filled out in the 007 role. Sure. Let's talk about the demise of the first marriage. Okay. So Diane Salento had made some pretty disturbing accusations about how Sean Connery treated her during this marriage. In her book, Salento alleges that Sean Connery did abuse her mentally and physically. Sean Connery, of course, denies the allegations that he had ever been physically abusive to Diane, but does make comments in his 1965 Playboy interview that made Diane's side of the story seem plausible. Sean Connery in this interview says, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong about hitting a woman, although I don't recommend doing it in the same way that you'd hit a man. An open-handed slap is justified. If all other etern- if all other alternatives fail, and there has been plenty of warning. If a woman is a bitch or hysterical or bloody-minded continually, then I'll do it. Because I like his later work, I'm glad that no one jumped up and set him on fire when he said that in 1965. But he's going to still... come back around from this particular point. So let's let's unpack this a little okay. bit more. Okay. So over two decades later, Sean Connery sits down for an interview with previous Trashy Divorces alum, Barbara Walters. This is in 1987, and Barbara Walters brings up these comments back from 1965 and gives Sean Connery the chance to set the record straight. Instead, Sean Connery (laughs) doubles down, says he hasn't really changed his mind on the topic. Visibly shocked, Barbara Walters asks him, You think it's good to slap a woman? And Sean Connery responds, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. But it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Barbara Walters asks a follow-up question. What would merit slapping a woman? Connery replies, Well, if you've tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, they can't leave it alone. They want to have the last word. And you give them the last word, but they're not going to be happy with the last word. They want to say it again and get into a really provocative situation. Then, I think it's absolutely right. Seriously, it's the last resort. He's not going to do it because he wants to do it. And that's when Barbara Walters stood up and poured a can of gasoline on Sean Connery and set him on fire. No, but like as a 35-year-old, he said that to Playboy. And then as a 57-year-old, he's saying that to Barbara Walters. Are you... 
not aware that there are cameras? Are you not aware that people are writing this down? Like, whoa. Okay, so it doesn't take too many years later. So let's get through it all. Because 1993, Connery's going to talk some more. And Hmm. here in 93, so six years later. Maybe someone had had a chat with him. He tries to take a step back from his position on slapping women. Sean Connery in 1993 will tell Vanity Fair that his comments had, of course, been taken out of context, saying, They taped two hours of me and only showed 20 minutes. Barbara Walters was trying to get me to say it was okay to hit women, but I was really saying that to slap a woman was not the crudest thing you could do to her. I said that in my book. It's much more cruel to psychologically damage somebody to put them in such distress that they really come to hate themselves. Sometimes there are women who take it to the wire. That's what they're looking for. The ultimate confrontation. They want to smack. He's not done. I. He's not done. Wow. Because we're going to go another 13 years. (laughs) Should he have been though? In 2006, Sean Connery is now singing a completely different tune. On the topic of hitting women, (laughs) so we've gone from 1965 to 1987 to 1993, all the way back to 2006. So, took 40 years? Yeah, 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 okay. 41 years. Yeah, 41 years. Uh, He will tell the Times of London in 2006, quote, My view is I don't believe that any level of abuse against women is ever justified (laughs) under any circumstances, full stop, unquote. (laughs) How many tries did he get to arrive at the correct answer? Wow, okay. 41 years of tries, but good on you, Sean. You finally made it. 2006 is many, many, many years after his marriage to Diane Salento. And her book came out around that time, right? 2006, yes. Interesting, okay. So her allegations certainly seem extremely possible for their marriage in the 1960s, 1970s. The alleged abuse was not the only issue, though, that contributed to the downfall of their marriage. Huzzah! Let's add in physical, mental abuse, and infidelity. Well, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. It is no secret that Sean Connery was a sex symbol and that many women found him irresistible. Sean Connery's sex drive was, unfortunately, not all that different from the sex drive of his famous James Bond character. In fact, Sean had affairs with many of the actresses that played Bond girls. One of these actresses was Jill St. John, who played Tiffany Case in Diamonds Are Forever. If you remember through our trashy divorces ride through time, Jill St. John is now married to Robert Wagner, first husband of Natalie Wood. Yes, okay. Interestingly, another Bond girl that Sean Connery had an affair with was Natalie Wood's sister, Lana Wood. Lana Wood played the character, one of the most famous Bond girl characters, Plenty O'Toole, in the film Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. Yes, you heard that right. Sean Connery was having affairs with two actresses that both played Bond girls in the same exact movie. Busy guy. Lana Wood has since discussed the affair with Fox News and called Sean Connery magnetic and charismatic. Lana Wood also said that she was the one who ended the affair when she decided, God bless Lana Wood, you're just so, girls are so dumb. I don't even know why you do this with Sean Connery, but Lana Wood decides she has to break it off with Sean Connery because she's in love with someone else. And so... She feels the only fair thing to do, the only right thing to do is be honest with Sean. Got to be honest with him and I'm going to tell him in person. Quoting here from Lana Wood. I had to tell him. So when I told him, he said, I understand completely. And that was it. (laughs) We were in the hallway leading to the casino, getting ready to shoot. And I walked away. I finished the take and then went back to hair and makeup. I just needed him to know. And then many years later, all of a sudden, it dawned on me. He probably thought, oh, what a silly girl. Of course we weren't going to have a relationship. I just thought it was funny that I had to say something to him. I had to be honest with him. Connery doesn't care. 
Right. But it wasn't just Bond girls that catch the eye of Sean Connery. He was rumored to have been seen out and about with a variety of other women during his marriage, including to a former Miss France, Claudine Auger, actresses Sue Lloyd and Shelley Winters, as well as Polish model Magda Konopka and Hollywood siren Carol Mallory. Carol Mallory actually helpfully talks to the Daily Mail many years later about her affair with Sean Connery. Carol Mallory says the two met at a dinner party and were very attracted to each other. Quote, we saw each other a few times, but he was married and I hated having to sneak around. The affair fizzled out. Sean had no respect for women, but at least I got a meal on him. It does sound like it took him a while to uh, find respect for women, let's say. Yeah, that may not be any real surprise, but Carol Mallory will go on to make some more comments that were probably a little bit more shocking to many and beautiful here for our purposes at Trashy Divorces. Carol Mallory calls Sean Connery, quote, one of the worst, unquote, lovers. Oh, wow. Yep. When asked who her best lover was, Carol Mallory says, I'd hate to hurt anyone's feelings by saying who was the best. You can't do that to men. They're so insecure. But I'll tell you who was the worst in bed. It was Sean Connery. Wow. Let's just say he didn't leave a very big impression. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Sometime around 1971-1972, Sean and Diane separated but made no plans to divorce. That will soon quickly enough change, although it doesn't sound like the marriage really between Sean and Diane was ever truly a match made in heaven. The marriage, though, essentially doesn't end until Sean Connery meets and falls in love with one Micheline Rokeburn. Once Micheline comes along, Sean decides he's got to marry her, and his marriage to Diane Salento was O-V-E-R. Just like this particular segment in our episode today, we're going to take another quick minute for a commercial break. Back in a minute. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. I'm Dr. Megan Sachs. And I'm Dr. Amy Sloshberg. And we're the host of the podcast Campus Killings. Our show covers some of the most sinister crimes to take place on or around school campuses. Or the cases we discuss have a school-connected theme. And with the new school year comes an all-new second season of Campus Killings, which will debut on September 16th, 2023. But if you want to listen to Campus Killings now, you can binge all the episodes from season one. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, Alicia, so Sean Connery has met a new lady. Micheline. First wife is over and done with. Tosses her over the side. Oh, no. No. Nope. First wife is not done with. Let's get these two lovebirds together, Sean and Micheline. Sean Connery and Micheline Rokeburn meet at a golf tournament in Morocco in 1970. Connery is still married to Diane Salento. Micheline is still married to her second husband. Micheline was married twice before Sean Connery and had three children. In 2011, Micheline Rokeburn tells The Sun about seeing Sean Connery for the first time before she knew who he was. I saw this man from the back, and of course, he had a fine physique. But that first day, I didn't know who he was or anything about him. Then I dreamed I saw this man. I was in his arms, and I thought, at last, peace The next day, I went back to the tournament, and that was that. She admitted to France's Gala magazine that they, quote, ended up sharing a bed within the first 24 hours after they met, unquote. So apparently, in 1970, at this golf tournament in Morocco, Sean and Micheline would play golf during the day and keep their affair private and have clandestine meetings at night. She continues with Gallo Magazine saying they'd golf like strangers and then, quote, meet to make love like crazy people, unquote. (laughs) 
Rookburn does make quite an impression on Sean Connery as well. Sean is unable to stop thinking about Micheline after their meeting and their fling at the golf tournament, and they both, Sean and Micheline, go back to their respective lives, but eventually Sean asks Micheline to meet him in Spain, and she says, we. Yeah. Si. Si. Probably. We. Uh, in in all all the languages. Well, actually, she's going to say we or see because Sean and Micheline do not speak the same language. Uh, she speaks French and Spanish only. Oh, well, then she, yes, we see you in, in Spania. In Sean and Micheline do not need the language of words. They have the language of love. They say that their ability to... Not be able to communicate in words was just simply not an issue. Well, given the attitudes he was popping off in those years, maybe better that they couldn't talk. Micheline and Sean both decide they want to be together and went back home to plan their divorces. (laughs) Sean and Micheline do get married in 1975 and would remain married for the next 45 years. But does this mean that The story's over and Sean Connery was a loving and faithful husband? Absolutely. Not at all. One woman man. 100% absolutely not. Okay. The most significant affair that Sean Connery has during his 45-year marriage to Micheline was with pop singer Lindsay DePaul in 1989. Sean meets DePaul at a party he was attending with his wife. Oh, the complicated webs we weave. It gets worse. Lindsay DePaul says that she was just, you know, sitting on the couch with Sean Connery's wife, Micheline, when Sean slips Lindsay his number. Oh, my God. She tells the Evening Standard, I didn't want to have an affair with him. (laughs) I tried to keep our relationship platonic, but he pursued me relentlessly. He wasn't my type at all because I'm not usually attracted to the macho type. In the end, I thought, why not? I didn't know his wife, so I didn't feel I was betraying her by having an affair. Wow. After a few months, the affair ended when Sean Connery abruptly stops returning her phone calls. (laughs) In 1996, the rumor mill begins again when Sean Connery was sharing, was seen, quote, sharing a lingering kiss outside the Beverly Hills home of makeup artist Nina Kraft, unquote, According to the Daily Mail, Sean Connery and Nina Kraft had worked together on The Rock. This incident led to many stories in the tabloids about Sean Connery being a, quote, serial cheater, unquote, and claimed he was seeing a string of women behind his wife's back. Micheline never addressed any one affair specifically, but she's got a few things to say, although they're later in life. Quote, when I met Sean, I knew I was taking on the whole package. Everyone wants him, and I have to accept and understand that, unquote. Whatever tensions his affairs may or may not have created behind the scenes, Sean and Micheline show no evidence of it in public. By all accounts, their spark never faded, and they were married to Connery's death in 2020. He always spoke very lovingly about Micheline, saying Micheline is an amazing woman. She is the love of my life. So now that we've got the love bit sorted, mm-hmm. let's talk about Sean Connery's career after James Bond. Because, right, Sean Connery fears being typecast as James Bond, but it turns out his fears were really unfounded. That Yeah, he had such a career. He will be forever thought of by many as the quintessential James Bond, but... Connery goes on to have a very successful and prolific career once he moves on from 007. In the 1980s, he was in several movies. Toward the end of the 80s, he was becoming one of the top box office draws again during his second act with The Name of the Rose, The Untouchables, The Presidio, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. Connery wins an Academy Award for Best Actor in 1988 and... In 1989, he proved he was every bit as magnetic and appealing as ever when People magazine named Sean Connery sexiest man alive at the age of 59. Good for him. In 1987, Sean Connery told the New York Times that he didn't mind getting older or going bald. 
He felt he could still keep his acting career going strong as long as he was willing to shift his roles. Quote, The reason Burt Lancaster had a longer, more varied career than Kirk Douglas was that he refused to allow himself to be limited. He was more ready to play less romantic parts and was more experimental in his choice of roles. And that's the way I've tried to be. I don't mind being older or looking stupid. <laughs> that Good for you, man. <laughs> Connery keeps it up throughout the 90s with The Hunt for Red October, The Russia House, Dragon Heart, Rising Sun, The Medicine Man, First Night, The Rock, and Entrapment. Again, he also had the honor of his career when he was awarded the Cecil B. DeMille Award in 1996. Big decade, the 90s. In the early 2000s, though, his passion and desire to act kind of starts to fade. He has a box office failure with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003. And at that point, Sean Connery decides to retire. In his late 70s, early 80s? I mean, that's fine. (laughs) After leaving Hollywood for good, Sean and Micheline spend most of their time living in the Bahamas and just staying out of the spotlight. Gosh, that's terrible. I know. Oh, no. (laughs) What a way to spend your golden years. Terrible fate. Fishing off the dock and enjoying the hot tub in the evening or whatever. Right. In 2008, Sean Connery was asked to respond to the allegation that his first wife, Diane Salento, made in her recently published memoir. She, again, remember, accused Sean of being abusive during their marriage and also of leaving their son Jason out of their will. Sean Connery tells the Evening Standard, quote, I haven't seen the woman in 37 years, and she knows nothing about me or my life now. Diane can't move on from the breakup of our marriage, and I have already had to contend with her accusations about me being violent towards her. Now the lies seem to be getting even more vicious, and what is worse, she is dragging our son into it, unquote. Now, to be fair, Diane Salento's autobiography does actually reveal that she still does have feelings for her husband, or her ex-husband, Sean Connery. Salento writes, Sometimes when I see him today on some talk show, I catch a fleeting glimpse of my old love in the turn of his head or a well-remembered phrase, and it still makes my heart turn over. I loved the old Sean. I still do. Ladies love Sean Connery. He will remain an avid golfer and passionate supporter of an independent Scotland. Throughout his life, he donates a great deal of money to the Scottish International Education Trust, an organization he had founded earlier to help poor Scottish kids get an education and to the National Scottish Party. By 2015, Sean Connery was very rarely seen in public. The few photographs that were taken of him showed a feeble man that... He was 85 years old. ...didn't it's much a, remember his... It, it's yeah. okay, yeah. It's, you, you can be out of the spotlight. Doesn't resemble his, his younger self much, but good long life. October the 31st, Halloween 2020. Sir Sean Connery died peacefully in his sleep at the age of 90. He was surrounded by his family at his home in the Bahamas. At the time, the family issued a statement... His son said that his dad had been unwell for some time. Micheline would later tell the Daily Mail about Sean's final days. Quote, It was no life for him. He was not able to express himself. At least he died in his sleep, and it was just so peaceful. I was with him all the time, and he just slipped away. It was what he wanted. He had dementia, and it took a toll on him. He got his final wish to slip away without any fuss. He was gorgeous, and we had a wonderful life together. He was a model of a man. It's going to be very hard without him, I know that. But it could not last forever, and he went peacefully. When his death was made public, many moving tributes and condolences were published. Alex Salmon, the former First Minister of Scotland, who was close friends with Sir Sean, described him as, quote, the world's greatest Scot the last of the real Hollywood stars, the definitive Bond. Sean Connery was all of these things, but much more. He was also a staunch patriot, a deep thinker, and an outstanding human being. 
Scotland Forever wasn't just tattooed on his forearm, but was imprinted on his soul. You're telling me the past Scottish political leader was named Salmon, and, and then the most recent past one was named Sturgeon. Is there a fish motif? We got a quote coming up from her right here. Scottish listeners, let us know. Okay, go ahead. The current First Minister of Scotland at that time, yeah. Nicola Sturgeon, said she was, quote, heartbroken to hear of Connery's death. Our nation today mourns one of her best-loved sons, unquote. Man, there's a, there's a young person of the last name of Trout in Scotland who is going to end up going places. The only fish related to this story <laughs> is the very weird pyramid that he has set up for himself in New Orleans, Nicholas Cage. I was going to say. Also has a quote to share. Nicholas Cage remembers stars with Sean Connery in the 1996 action film The Rock. Nicholas Cage, previous Trashy Divorces alum himself, yeah. tells The Guardian. I admired Sean so much. His wisdom, humbleness, and extreme honesty has guided me ever since I met him. The first movie star to lead the way in combining drama, action, adventure, and comedy. He did it all effortlessly and with dignity. Another Bond man, Daniel Craig, mm. said of Sean Connery, Sir Sean was one of the true greats of cinema. Sir Sean Connery will be remembered as Bond and so much more. He defined an era and a style. The wit and charm he portrayed on screen could be measured in megawatts. He helped create the modern blockbuster. He will continue to influence actors and filmmakers alike for years to come. My thoughts are with his family and loved ones. Micheline, Sean's loving and faithful wife for all those 45 years, speaks to the Edinburgh News in 2021. Quote, It was his final wish to go back to Scotland, and I've always said that I will do it for him, but unfortunately, it has not been possible because of the travel restrictions surrounding COVID. Sure. I wanted to do it much sooner, but once we are allowed to travel properly again, nothing will stop me organizing it. In 2022, on what would have been his 92nd birthday, Sean Connery's family took his ashes back home to his native Scotland. His ashes were scattered at three secret Scottish locations close to his heart. This is a quote from Sean Connery. I am not an Englishman. I was never an Englishman. I don't ever want to be one. I am a Scotsman. I was a Scotsman, and I will always be one. Scotland forever! <laughs> Big trashy love to all of our friends over in Scotland today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is one of my ancestors' homelands. I'm from Paisley. I love this story. Save all the terrible parts in it. My people come from the Highlands on one side. So let's estimate Scotland forever. How many trash cans does Sean Connery get? Alicia, there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> It turned to gold 41 years later, <laughs> shaken, not stirred. What a charmed life. The man with the Midas touch, Sean Connery. Yeah. And that accent. My God, that voice. It will live forever. That body. God, he's so sexy. Sean Connery. <laughs> Y'all, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today to this episode, season 18 kickoff of Trashy Divorces. Excellent. Excellent. All, all of our Patreon friends do stay tuned. We've got a little bit of a bonus for you at the end of this episode about Micheline's mm. life as a widow, a little bit of scandal and controversy there, as well as a little bit of a follow-up on the writer of the James Bond books, Ian Fleming. Keep on rolling tape for that. For all trash pandas, something I want to let everybody know about, if you are into the High Society Swans of Truman Capote. Now is definitely the time to tune into Done and Done. Giving you a heads up now for that. It's not going to disappoint. We got a few fun weeks coming ahead for you. This is your side project podcast. It is. And we are. Yeah, you're getting into it. Getting into it. Getting into it. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're into the Swans and High Society, now is definitely the time to tune into that. It's always the time 
to tune in to Patreon. We've had some fun stuff happening there. Dumpster Dive came out earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be back this weekend with yes, a brand new Absolutely. Trashy Divorces episode. Another actor. Another award-winning actor. Current in the news these days. Slightly younger than our 93-year-old. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us for today. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you until we meet again, friends. Keep your hands clean, everybody. Keep those hearts trashy. We'll see you this weekend. Big love, y'all. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.